Welcome to I'm Okay Being Human, a podcast about understanding the human experience. I'm your host, Dr. Becca Keys, and I want to take you through some lessons and mistakes that humans like me and you have made, the hard parts of being emotional creatures, and how you can put your life back into your own hands. With these stories, a little empathy, and a healthy dose of honesty, I hope to make it a little easier for you to feel okay being human. Hey human, welcome back. It's been a really long time since I've put out an episode. I've had a lot going on in my personal life, including a big move, new job, and buying a house. So the podcast had to take a bit of a backseat, but here we are. Today, we are going to be okay being irrational. I thought this one would be a really fun one to kind of kick back off with. Uh, And I feel like it's going to lay some important foundation as well. So, what is being irrational? The definition of being irrational is not logical or reasonable. I feel like being irrational is something that women are often accused of, probably because we have more practice expressing our emotion, and it's often used as a way to discredit someone. I know I've been called irrational. I've heard it before, usually by someone who's just uncomfortable with the way the other person is responding. So it's probably not always wrong, but they're probably not the only person in the situation acting or behaving irrationally. Irrationality can be used to describe a behavior or a way of thinking, and it's looked down upon because our society worships logic and reason. It's like, if you're not being logical, then you're a crazy person. But we all know that logic is only half our brain, right? So what's the other half? I'll tell you, it's emotional. Emotions are not rational. So there's this theory. It's not something that's been proven as literally as it sounds, but there is the three brain theory. It goes by other names as well. But essentially, it's a way of describing the different needs and sensations that we feel. So the first brain, I'm sure you've heard some terms of these before, but the first brain is the lizard brain or reptilian brain. And this is your very basic needs. So it's like eat, sleep, reproduce, and it's where the fight or flight reflex lives. This is something that lizards have and other reptiles. So that's why it's called that because this is as high as their brain gets is this basis of Do I need to eat? Am I in danger? Do I freeze? Um, And it's something, like, if you pay attention to different reptiles, like, you'll see this. So I mentioned I just moved. So we moved from Chicago to Cincinnati. Not super far, but it has a bit of a different climate than what I'm used to. And part of that is it's much more humid. And we have lizards, literally, all over the place. Every time I'm walking down the sidewalk, I can see them scurrying away every time they see me. It's so hard to just like see one still because they run away as soon as they see you. 
but a few days ago, I found one in my house, just casually walking across the living room floor, and eventually I caught him, and then I put him outside, so I caught him the way I caught catch spiders and cockroaches back when I lived in the farther south, where I put uh, Tupperware over him, so I caught him underneath Tupperware, and then I slid a magazine under it, and then I put the lid under the magazine, just so it wouldn't, it was kind of a big Tupperware, so I didn't want him to like scurry out on the corners when the magazine was like not tight or whatever. So I carried him outside, and I put it on the ground, and then I lifted the Tupperware, and he just didn't move, and it was like not easy to catch him, because he was fast, but once I caught him and I put him outside, he froze. So it was very much that, I mean, okay, I think I need to take a step back. I keep calling it fight or flight, which is totally true, but there's that other aspect of it, which is the freeze aspect. So fight, flight, or freeze are the three responses to feeling threatened. And, you know, these lizards, they're, I think they're called anoles. They're very harmless. I used to have them as pets when I was a kid. They don't even really have teeth, so like if they bite you, it's not like you feel anything. You're, they're not poisonous. They're truly not threatening. So they're not fighters. They don't really have much to fight, but they're fast as hell and they freeze. And so that's what he did was I caught him. He was fast, but once I caught him, he kind of froze. Uh, and I like had to scoot him off the magazine paper so that he could just go back into the grass. And then once he was in the grass, he scurried away. So that was a very winded explanation of lizard brain, but we also have that capability of either fight, flight, or freeze. This is how we also respond. So this is not rational either. This is a reflex, but it's part of the three brains. The second brain is the mammalian brain. That is where our emotions live. So if you think of a dog compared to a lizard, dogs have much more emotional capacity. They get sad, they're happy, they're excited, they're scared. They tell you what time it is, if it's time to go out, it's time to eat, whatever it is. They are much more interactive with us because they have more brain capacity. So that's the second brain, that mammalian brain, and that's what we have as well. Also called the monkey brain. It's where our emotions live and it's where our irrational thinking lives. So I'm sure you've heard someone say, some coach or some motivational speaker at some point being like, hey, that's your monkey brain, don't listen to it or whatever. We can learn a lot from it. That's what that's kind of a theme of this podcast is just learning from ourselves, not trying to ignore what's there. But it is a really good example of when someone's being irrational, they're usually using that mammalian or monkey brain to respond to their situation. The way that these brain levels are kind of organized is by, from oldest to newest. So the lizard brain is older than the mammalian brain. So it will always overpower the mammalian brain. So you could use all of your logic and thinking in the world and use your emotions, but if something scares you and you just take off running, like you don't even think about it, you just do it. Also, the mammalian brain is older than the neocortex, which is that third brain, and that is what differs us from other mammals. 
That's why we can talk and communicate in a different way than our dogs do. We can build stuff. We have critical thinking. We have logic and reason. That is in the neocortex. It's the newest brain. It's the brain that we like to think we spend most of our time in, but it always gets overpowered by the other two brains if you're in the right situation or triggered by the right stimulus. So why aren't we okay with this irrational brain if it's such an important part of who we are as mammals? Well, things tend to feel like they're out of control or somebody's out of control when they are acting irrationally or expressing emotions. And I believe, you know, there's a lot of subjectivity to this. There's been times where I've been in a situation with someone who is very uncomfortable with their own emotions and experiences, and so they tried to minimize mine by saying I was irrational or not wanting to listen or overreacting or being emotional or being a woman. And it's because they're just not okay with how they feel, and their only defense is to put the other person down. So you might have experienced that, which is really unfortunate, But I'm hoping with this episode and with this information, you can start to feel comfortable with your own three brains and how they work and being in situations where maybe you are being more emotional, but you know how to respond to it and how to handle it. Another reason why people aren't okay with it is that we're just not taught how to deal with our own or others' emotions, so we often feel unequipped. I'm not giving the people who call people irrational like it's no big deal all the time. I'm not giving them a free pass because they weren't taught how to deal with their emotions because most people weren't, but it is an important part of the conversation. I love how there's so much more talk these days about mental health and emotional health and talking about emotions and working through things because... A lot of the reason why I believe that women are often called irrational is because men societally were not allowed to feel their emotions or express them unless it was anger. It's like the only approved emotion allowed to be expressed by men. But they're, they, you know, it's like, oh, you're a boy, don't cry or rub some dirt on it or whatever, like get over it. That's how a lot of little boys were raised and so they're not equipped to deal with their own emotions or anyone else's and emotions are often like if you hear someone say you can't love someone more than you love yourself this is pretty similar to emotions it's a lot harder to deal with other people's emotions when you're not okay with your own and so we really need a reform in how we are raising children and teaching them about emotions and how to deal with their own and how to deal with other people's and dealing with our own as parents and as adults and elders in the society. The children are not responsible for the way that we feel. And if we can control our own, then we're better able to teach them how to control theirs and how to exist in society where everyone has a lot more emotions than we like to pretend we do. If someone who is expressing emotion gets called irrational, they might feel judged, misunderstood, or just not wanting to be heard. It's just a defense mechanism. And I think the more that we can recognize what is happening in a situation, the easier it will be to call things out. If someone starts calling you irrational, 
they might be the one who's feeling more irrational and they don't want the spotlight on them. So they're trying to shine it on you. So being able to recognize these things in the heat of the moment is going to be really helpful, but we have to know what we're looking for. We have to be able to identify it and then know how to deal with it. And so this is the first step. Being irrational is often not recognized as a normal part of human behavior. And I know this is true because I can see the way people talk to kids all the time. Kids, you know, people talk about the terrible twos or whatever. When kids are little, they don't have the ability to regulate their emotions. They don't know, they don't really have that neocortex built up yet. They're just feeling. And sometimes adults will lose their patience with those little beings full of emotion because they expect them to behave the way that they would, but they just don't have that training and they don't have that capacity. Their neocortex is really new and it's not built up because it takes time, you know? If you think about babies, like infants, they cry when they're hungry, they're sleeping, they go to the bathroom and that's like about all they do, right? And then they start to develop the emotions and then they start to develop reason. Just the way the brains have historically grown throughout the animal kingdom, we feel that way too. And so we just don't have that ability to reason. And unfortunately, little kids are deemed irrational, which is, you know, it's not wrong. But what I want to do is take the criticism from that label and just know if someone's being irrational, it's because something is threatening them or triggering them. And there's a different part of their brain that's taking over. And we just have to let them cool down or we have to teach them how to deal with it and wait for those waves to pass. And then when someone's regulated, so that's what we call regulated, when you're kind of back to your baseline, calm, chill, like, okay, yeah, I know I was acting insane and now I'm feeling much better and I can feel like I can have a calm conversation that's being regulated. But it's so normal to be dysregulated and to feel irrational or be acting irrationally. That is also normal. We just need to learn how to deal with it in ourselves and others. And a great time to teach that is to our children when they're young and they're starting to develop that critical thinking brain. But to do that, we have to know how to recognize it and regulate it within ourselves first. So why is it important to be okay with being irrational? I kind of just explained it, but emotions are just never rational and we will always live with our emotions. And so learning about them and how to deal with them is very important. Everybody has moments of irrationality, even when they don't think they do. And learning to recognize your own triggers is going to help you notice, oh, I'm experiencing emotion right now, or I'm being irrational. I'm sure I want to find examples in movies and shows where somebody is like, I would love to find an example of this, where somebody's like accusing somebody else of being irrational, but they're totally embodying that quality, like hardcore in that moment. 
I don't have anything off the top of my head. But I know that everybody has these moments where they think the other person's being crazy or whatever, and it's really them just feeling out of control. But they're blaming the other person because it's easier to do that than to point the fingers at ourselves. It's good to be okay with being irrational and recognizing it in others because you'll build a better connection between each other to be more open and accepting of our natural processes. It's so normal to be irrational. We were all irrational when we were little busy toddlers learning about the world. And if we can just be open to letting other people be irrational from time to time and just knowing how to deal with that. And if you don't want to deal with it everyone, like you totally don't have to. That's where boundaries come in. If someone's being just totally hard to be around and you don't feel safe or you don't want to be near them, you don't have to. But if it's someone that you really love, if it's like your partner or your parent or your child or your best friend, you might want to be there for them. So being okay with irrationality in humans, which is such a normal part of who we are, is going to help deepen those connections between us. We can also heal from our emotions better if we accept them as they are, knowing that they might not make sense. So this is a really important part of emotions and why they are not rational. They don't always make sense. It's like why somebody is deathly afraid of spiders and they see like a daddy long leg spider crawling across the wall. Like they're not going to die. They're going to be okay. Those spiders are relatively harmless to humans, but Sometimes people have this huge reaction to seeing it, and it's okay. It doesn't make sense to feel that way about something that you know is harmless. The way that I responded to that lizard being in my house was absurd. I used to have this exact type of lizard as a pet when I was five, and I would hold it, and I would feed it crickets, and I was totally fine with my lizard. Her name was Crystal, by the way. And when I saw this lizard crawling across the hardwood floor out of the corner of my eye, my heart started pounding so bad. I didn't know what to do. I had just taken a phone call from my dog's vet. So I couldn't just hang up the phone or scream, which it's not a way that I typically react to things anyways. But I was just like... (gasps) Oh my God. And I knew I was going to be fine. I think what I kept picturing is like waking up to a lizard being in my mouth or something if I couldn't find it. Because I did leave the room to go find some plastic Tupperware that I could catch it with. And when I came back, I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh my God. And I was messaging my friends and I was like, okay, what? I'm like mildly panicking. What do I do? Like, what the heck? I'm freaking out. And I have a friend of mine who lives in Florida and she's had lizards like in her house all the time. And she was like, oh, I found one in the bathroom the other day. I just caught it with my bare hand and put it outside. And I was like, what the heck? Even though I know it's totally harmless, like they don't freak me out. But having one in my house really triggered something. So that's the important part from that is like, it's not the lizard. It's just having this creature that I didn't know how to control or what to do with in my house. That's what really freaked me out. And so I responded incredibly irrationally inside. And I know it doesn't make sense. But now that I'm regulated, I can look back on that experience and be like, oh, 
this is what it was. It wasn't the lizard. It was having this creature that I'm not used to in my home and not knowing how to catch it because they're fast and not knowing what to do if I couldn't find it and not knowing how it got in the house in the first place. That was how I was responding. So when you take a step back to like really break down the emotion behind this irrationality, it usually has some very logical answers. But in the moment, they might not make sense. So we should be free to accept them as they are. You are free to feel whatever you feel at any time. There's an asterisk to that because you can't always act on how you feel at any time or act the way you want to in any given moment, but you're free to feel it. It's totally valid, even if it ends up being wrong. I'm going to give you another example. So there's this woman I follow on Instagram and she has five children and she really wanted more. And there was a point in the last two years where she had three miscarriages that really broke her heart and she was not ready to stop having children. Now, some people may think like, oh, well, that's just selfish. She's got five healthy children and that's a more than the average number, a lot more than the average number of children somebody has. And there's so many families who are struggling to even have one child. But I bring this up because she is free to feel that grief. If she was not ready to be done having kids and she wanted to bring more people into this world, that's totally her prerogative. And it's totally valid for someone who is really struggling with fertility to see that and to feel upset that they don't even have one and she's got five. But that doesn't mean that either person has to act a certain way so that the other person feels better. Now, if somebody was putting someone down, um, like, personally, like, if she was saying, oh, everyone who, like, doesn't have any kids, like, that sucks, you know, that's not okay. That is something that I believe would need to change. But it's her Instagram, so she's more than welcome to share whatever it is she wants to share on there. And if other people don't feel comfortable consuming that information, then they don't have to. But there's a lot that I see online, especially where people are like, don't say that or don't talk about this because it really hurts this other group of people. And if it's not something that someone's saying that's truly harmful, like it's not racist or sexist or something like that. And if it's just someone feeling their own feelings, I think it's okay to have that freedom and it's okay for other people to just not consume it or to move on. That's okay. We can't be responsible for everybody else's feelings. And I really want to make this clear that this is not the same as putting someone down, putting a group of people down on purpose. But she understands in some ways what it's like to have miscarriages. I mean, she's had several. That's a lot of miscarriages to have. But she's not doing it to put down the people who are struggling with fertility. She's just experiencing and expressing her own emotions. And she's looking for a community of people who can maybe empathize with her which is something that we all need. I believe we all need a community of people who can empathize with our emotions and let us just feel them for whatever they are without having any type of 
other agenda or, you know, needing to explain ourselves. We should just be allowed to feel what we feel. And this, I get, is a very fine line. Because if someone feels that, you know, two people of the same sex shouldn't get married, that's different. That's not the same as feeling something that's happening to you. If somebody feels that two people of the same sex should not get married, but they do, someone does, that's not happening to them. That's just something that they're witnessing that they don't agree with. And that's when they should just keep scrolling and move on. Even if it's in real life, like, just keep walking, move on. It's not a big deal. It doesn't really affect you. But this affected her. And I just want to make that clear. I once heard that saying, don't be sad because other people have it worse is like saying you can't be happy because other people have it better. And that really stuck with me. I don't even remember where I heard it or how long ago it was. I know it was so, it was quite a long time ago because I think about it all the time. But that's something I heard a lot growing up from all over the place. It's like, oh, don't be sad because other people have it worse or like, you know, eat your food because other people are starving, that kind of idea where it's like, just be grateful for what you have because other people don't have that. Which has some truth behind it, but then it's also like saying you can't be happy because other people are happier than you. And I think that what we should be telling people is just whatever you feel is okay. It's good. It's fine. It is what it is. Just feel it and then let yourself be. We're not, we're so rarely taught that what we feel is okay to feel. I mean, it's not something that's taught like the way we learn about mitochondria or parallelograms or whatever, which I think would make a lot more strong humans if we were able to just learn about how to feel our emotions and what's okay. So I'm going to tell you now. Letting your emotions be what they are, no matter how irrational you feel they are or how irrational others say they are, is okay. Just let it be. It doesn't mean that they aren't allowed to exist. We heal ourselves by feeling what we're feeling. So heal those feelings and those emotions by feeling them. Don't act on them until you feel like you're in more control of your body Acting on an emotion is incredibly different than feeling an emotion. And I'm giving you permission to feel it. I'm not saying you can act on it every time the way you want to. And, you know, I think that we don't recognize when adults have tantrums. I think that there are so many adults who haven't grown out of that phase when we're two and three years old and we're just like throwing a fit because we're not getting what we want and we don't understand you, if you look for it, you will see it all the time. And that's when they're acting on these emotions. That's when embarrassing things happen, when someone has to apologize later. It's because they acted on their emotions, because they felt like they didn't have a choice, or they felt justified in doing it, which you are always justified in however you feel. Even if it's wrong, even if it's irrational, you are always justified in what you feel. But you may not always be justified in how you want to act on it or how you do act on it. So wait until you have that control. Wait for that wave of emotion to calm down, because it will. And then see how you want to proceed. The irrationality of our emotions becomes a problem when someone acts on them too soon. 
And if they know they would have behaved differently if they let their emotions process first, then they acted too soon. And this isn't always easy to do. It's not always easy to wait or to let things process. Or maybe you don't always have the time. But being aware of it is the first step in finding that control and learning about yourself. And it allows you to put plans in place so that next time you do have a big emotion, you know how to handle it. So let's say, um, let's say you let your friend drive your car. They were like asking like, Hey, can I borrow your car? My car is in the shop and I need to go do what I need to run some errands or whatever. Can I borrow your car? And you say yes. And then you find out that they were speeding and they got, they hit someone, they rear-ended someone else, and then they, you know, ran a red light, got a ticket, and all this stuff. And then they bring your car back and it's like destroyed. And they're like, oops. You might want to be like, what the heck? What did you do? Like, you're going to feel those emotions big. But what if instead of just shouting at your friend or demanding you get uh, an explanation, what you deserve, you just take the keys and say, I will talk to you later. And then let those emotions get so big. Like, you can write down, pick a, find a journal or just in your phone and your notes. Like, write out everything that you want to say to them. Be like, how dare you? I let you borrow this. Why did you destroy it? Do you not care about me? Do you don't care about my stuff? Like, all this, whatever, you, whatever you feel like you need to say, say it to yourself or write it down. And let yourself just wait for that wave to come calm down. And you might still be pissed at them when you do start talking to them, but you'll be able to do it in a more controlled way where you're not like, oh my God, what the heck, blah, blah, blah. When you're feeling the height of that emotional wave, when it's like settled, you can still feel betrayed and upset and whatever it is that you feel, but you're going to have more control over it. And that way you can ask them in a calm way, like, what happened? And it's so much easier to have a hard conversation with someone when everyone's being calm. So having those plans in place where you're like, I will talk to you later. Or if it's your kids, if your kids are like going crazy and they have all this energy and you're overstimulated. That's another thing that's really helpful to recognize is when you are feeling overstimulated I should have another episode about being overstimulated. Stay tuned for that. We're going to have that one. But being able to recognize that in yourself where, let's say, you know, music's on and TV's on, kids are screaming, everyone wants your attention, and you just like, you can't even think. Just being, just being able to say, you know, I need a break. I will come talk to you in a few minutes. I just need to calm down. Because being able to say that to your kids is going to teach them how to handle their own emotions. It's going to help them create a plan whenever they're feeling big things that they don't know how to control. And it's going to make it a lot easier for you to interact with them. Because your kids are not responsible for the way you feel. That might be a hard truth for some people to swallow. But we tend to think about anybody like, oh, I was feeling good until you said or did this, and now it's your fault that I feel this way. And that's not true. That's not their responsibility because sometimes people are just living their life. And kids don't 
come to this earth with a plan to ruin their parents' lives as toddlers. They're just crazy little beings with big emotions, and they're not responsible for the way that we feel about them. Whenever someone gets triggered by the way their child acts, it's something that they already had in them, and something that their child did activated it. And so they feel these big emotions because they haven't dealt with them or haven't learned how to process them. So it's really helpful for you and your kids and everyone else in your life if you're feeling something big and you know it's not going to be controlled and easy to work through it in that moment and talk to someone calmly, just remove yourself from the situation until you feel better. There's that cliche marriage advice where it's don't go to bed angry, which probably works for some people and that's great. But I also think giving yourself and your spouse the space to just let yourself feel whatever it is without having to act or talk to the other person is so helpful because then when you finally do come back together, you've processed your feelings, you've looked at how you feel from your perspective, maybe even from their perspective, and then you're also considering how they felt and you're just able to see the entire situation. And then when you go to talk about it and work through things, it's a lot easier and it's a lot more calm and a lot more productive and it doesn't end in fights or people throwing things or people slamming doors or leaving if you just take that time I promise you nothing bad's going to happen if you're just going to say, I need some time to just process. And if someone, if you say that to someone and they're like, no, no, I need to know, like, I'm so sorry, I need, I need you to tell me right now, I need to work through this right now, that is their big emotion acting. That's them being unable to sit in the discomfort of what you may th- be thinking and maybe they have a lot of anxiety about what might happen when you do come back but that's something that they have to work on. This is kind of turning into what's your responsibility versus what other people's responsibility, which is all, it's all connected, so it's great. So what to do if you are feeling irrational or are being accused of being irrational? Remove yourself from the situation, let yourself feel your feelings until you reach a calm baseline, and then process the situation and decide how to move forward. But you have to reach that calm baseline before you act. Otherwise, you're being reactive to your emotions and it might not reflect how you really feel about it because you're just responding to that surge of emotion. So here's your tip for the week. Anytime you feel an emotion, let it come to you and sit with it for a moment. It could be 30 seconds, a minute, 10 minutes, a half an hour, whatever you want. Just sit with it. Let it be what it wants to be without acting on it or judging it. Let it get as big as it wants. Cry, scream into a pillow, write in your journal, write, create um, a audio note on your phone. And just like, if you're mad at someone, just like shout into your phone, whatever it is you want to say to them, but don't send it, just delete it afterwards. But let yourself feel those emotions. Let them be expressed in a safe way. And that's it. And if you want to go back and decide what to do next, that's fine. But I just want you to work on this first step of feeling your emotions being okay just letting them be and if you feel like you might have some big emotions that are too hard or too scary to work through on your own 
then work with a professional, someone that you really trust to help guide you through feeling these emotions and what it feels like to do it in a safe way. There is absolutely nothing wrong with asking for help. It's a sign of strength when you're able to be vulnerable and ask for help. So if you feel like you need help feeling your emotions, you just don't know how to do it, that's totally okay. Find someone that you trust who is skilled and has experience in this and ask them for help. All right. Until next time. I'm happy to be back. I hope you guys are happy to be back. I hope you have a beautiful week. Thank you for listening to I'm Okay Being Human. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Becca Keys. To learn more about neuroemotional technique and find someone who practices near you, visit netmindbody.com. The theme for this podcast is written by Danny Keys.